Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to have you here. We're beginning a new series this morning called Can You Relate? It's about relationships. No matter who you are, you want deeper relationships. Relationships where you're understood. Relationships where you're loved. And this is not just something that you want that you come kind of hardwired into this world with. This is something that actually God created you for and with. It's that desire to relate. Relate to God and to each other. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, It is not good for man to be alone. Now, God, God gave this narrative right after he created man. He put man in the garden. It was a perfect environment. There was no sin on earth. And God created this man, Adam, uh, in his own image. In his own image, he created him. And yet, even without sin, God was saying it was good on the first day. It was good on the second day. It was good all the way through to the sixth day when he created man. He said it is very good. This is the first time we have God saying it's not good. It's not good that man is alone. And so God called man into relationship, not only with himself, but then created a woman out of man so that he could relate. He said, I will make a helper suitable for him. So God is showing us something about himself very early in the whole Bible. And that is, he's created us for a relationship with him and with each other. We all want that especially when we go through times of crisis. We want to be known and understood through times of crisis. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Now think about that. It's those times... When we go through crisis that we wonder, does anyone else understand? Does anyone else know what I'm going through? And it's when we shrink into isolation that we really go unhealthy in those times. And so that's why you hear uh, from different people, man, when I went through bankruptcy, I knew who my friends were. When my mother passed away, my friends showed up. You see, even the scriptures give that narrative, woe to the person who falls and has no one to pick them up. We feel alone. And I think that's one of the greatest fears of Americans is aloneness. Not being known, not being understood, not being loved. So it drives us into friendships. You know what? That's not a bad thing. We're driven into friendships because God kind of hardwired us with this desire to relate to him and to relate to others. Great passage that in Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 22 is um, the great commandment. Someone came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And they looked at all the ten. They wanted him to choose one. And Jesus kind of went outside of the ten, kind of summarized them all with this statement. He said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39, he says, he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, And with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now think about that. This kind of gives us a grid for all of our relationships. God calls us to love him first with our first and our best. 
with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, with all of us, even our thoughts, would be, would be factored into loving, loving God. Why does he do this? Well, he calls us to love him first and with our best. So that if we, once, we, once we love him, we will love others the way he loves us. Because you learn how to love God when you understand more of how he loves you. And you realize that his love was shown most clearly on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for me in my place. Why? Because I deserve it? No, because God loves. So it shows you a selfless, sacrificial, servant-oriented type of love. And we're called into loving God deeply with all of us. And then the second is like it. Now that you love God, love others. Love others the way you love yourself. It kind of also shows you a little bit about yourself. We all love each, we all love ourselves. We all know. I wake up every morning. I know exactly how I feel. I know exactly who is sensitive to me and who is not sensitive to me. Why? Because I, I love myself. And if you're honest, so do you. So we're called, just, just as we think of ourselves, just as that first thought goes to us, no, Love others the way you think, the way you process life yourself. Love others the way you love yourself. And so God calls us into relationship with him and with each other. There's two types of friends that God brings our way, that God brings into our lives. They're the life-sharing friends, and these are friends that that are the result of circumstances that bring us together. And these are people you work with, people you live around, people, um, people you're in sports with or in different hobbies with or different interests in. And as they're your friends as long as you keep that circumstance going. So if you're, if you have, you're friends with families, your kid's soccer team, as long as soccer is going, you're building those friendships. You're sharing life with those friends. Second soccer is done. And you kind of, well, we'll see you later. People that you work with, you have maintained friendships like that. But if you were to stop working there, those friendships can't go deeper. Then there's the second type of friends that that God brings your way. And those are the life-giving friends. And these life-giving friends are the result of choices that bond us together. Life sharing is a grid. Circumstances bring you together. Life-giving, you make choices. You make choices to go deeper with people. And the key word that I want you to focus there is that you bond. Because that's the picture. That's the picture of relationships. We're called into bonding in relationships. So that we're fully understood and then we're loved. You see, that's how God loves you. He knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. That's why he meets our greatest need to be loved is first and foremost in the person of Jesus Christ. Because he knows that we're sinners. He knows that we fall short. Yet in his love, he died on the cross for our sins. He lived a life we couldn't live for perfection. He died on a cross for a debt we couldn't pay. And so because of that, we understand the love of God in our lives. And that then moves us to a deeper love with others. But you have, to cho- you have to choose your friends and who are going to be life-giving friends for you. See, the closer the bond you have with people, the greater influence they're going to have in your lives. Therefore, choose your friends wisely. And so therefore, we're going to be sourced in the scriptures on how to choose deep 
friends, how to go deeper in our relationships. Uh, A few weeks back, we talked about biblical community and how we as the body of Christ should relate to each other in relationships. And we went to that passage in Ephesians chapter 4, and I want you to turn there with me as we continue to develop this. In Ephesians chapter 4, 15 and 16, Paul calls us to speak the truth in love so that we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body is uh, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. And it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And we looked at this passage and it forms a grid for all of our relationships, doesn't it? But I want to just use it and jettison off of it to really have us be challenged in our friendships. Here the scriptures are calling in our deep relationships that we're based in Christ. And we really are following the pattern of how to love. And your friendships will go deeper depending on the depth of love that you're operating with. And human love is not capable of loving like God loves. And we're broken and we've fallen into sin. We need a better pattern for love. Enter God through Jesus Christ, who loved the unlovable. And came to this earth, did not keep our sin from us, but came to this world and died for us. Relationships that are based on Christ love like Jesus loves. We need that grid, don't we? They're also balanced in truth and love. Paul says, speaking the truth in love. In other words, our friends and our deep friends need to be able to love us while they also tell us the truth. To be a good friend, you need to be able to love someone even though they're broken people. You don't reject them for being flawed people. But you also speak the truth to them. If you're here and you you are based in Christ, you need to be someone who's okay with your friend every once in a while going, I'm sorry, that'll kill you. That'll destroy you. And it's not because you're anyone special. It's just that's destroyed so many other people. The rules apply to you. You need that. Now, hopefully it's around the backdrop of love. And they don't just judge you. On the other hand, you don't need people just telling you the truth. You need people balancing that in love. And I have deep friends who have confronted me before. And it's not been comfortable, but I've needed it. And it was life-giving to me when they did that. And finally, we need to build each other up in love. You know, the grid of so many friendships is sarcasm or cynicism or being negative. And, and if you're not careful, your friends can just be the people that you just don't want to mess up with. You don't want to be humiliated. So you kind of keep them there. So you only show the good side of you. And when you fail or when you mess up, you never want them to know. So you go covert and you start keeping secrets So that you're just putting your best foot forward with your friends. Well, biblical relationships need to be building one another up in love. They need to be people who come alongside you and build you up, not tear you down. And we're intentional about doing this. Because here's the reality. Look at Proverbs 18.24. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, that whole word sticks closer, aligns with that bond. A choice you make to stick closer 
than a brother. A family relationship. And so what our target is, is brought out by the scriptures is that all of us would have what I like to call, if you're a guy, a band of brothers. And if you're a woman, you need a sisterhood of believers. You need those groups of same-sex relationships that call you to be a man, to be a woman after God's heart. See, every, every wedding I do, I, um, I, I come up here and I stand right here and the bride comes down with her dad and the groom stands right here in most of the weddings I do. And you're looking at the bride when she's coming down. You know what I do? I look at the groom. Why? I want to know if he's excited about this. And I can always tell if a groom's excited by how he looks. You know, at my wedding, I was like, Uh, You know, as a a freak, you know, here she comes. But after I look at him, you know what else I look at? I look at his band. Look at his band of brothers, his best man, all those guys. And I look at the relationships. I usually find out who are your band of brothers. And then I'll look over here. She's coming down and I'll see the sisterhood that's, that's been formed together in her life. That has spoken the truth in love to her, that call her and and build her up. Here's why we need it, okay? Because when you get married, guys, I'm sorry, your wife is not going to be excited about your best friend being another woman. I'm sorry. I really, I don't know why it works this way. It just does. She's not excited about, I think I'll ask Tammy what she thinks about this. That doesn't work inside of marriage. So you guys that are developing best friend relationship with girls, that's not going to stack up when you commit to one person. She's got to be your friend. She's got to be one of your best friends. Not to be shared. You're, You're turning from all the other options out there with the girls, and you're committing to that one girl. You need a band of brothers who go with you after that, when you realize, wow, when I married her and she was a four and now she's a 14, I'm going to still stay committed to her. Yeah, because our world says, whew, what's happened to her? She doesn't stack up to the airbrushed pictures on our magazines. She doesn't deserve your love. And so you start to ignore her and feed a fantasy that's not healthy for you. You need a band of brothers who say, no, you'll love her. Why? Because you committed to love her till death do you part. And that moves far beyond childhood emotions, even romance, into a commitment to love her and to see her beauty as a woman crafted with dignity in the image of God and and created and fashioned in your life to process life together. You need a band of brothers to tell you that. And you need a sisterhood who's able to go... When you go, wow, um, he was really excited about spiritual things when we were dating and even got engaged. But now that we're married and he knows that we're committed, he's not excited about the Lord anymore. I don't know if he's the man God wants for me. And besides that, he squeezes the toothpaste from the middle. No, we need to be people who go, yeah, but you committed to love him. And we are here to help you. None of you are perfect. Maybe you could have married a ton of other people, but you chose to marry him. And we need this band of brothers, this sisterhood to come alongside us. If you're single, you need this band of brothers to process. Uh, The woman who's just a knockout, 
who is really lacking in character. To be objective and go, wow, great eye candy, but very low character. And girls, you need, you need other women to be able to go, wow, he is Prince Charming, isn't he? But he just lied to you. I know, but he looks so good. Yeah, you need the sisters with you who see beyond the externals and who call you to the internals. That's what we're, we're wanting. That's what we all need, whether we've been married one moment or whether we've been married even 50 years. We want to do this. So how do we get these types of friends? How do we get deeper friendships? Well, you can't control who's going to be your best friend. You can't. I can't go up to you and go, Scott, I want to be your best friend. So I just was in my quiet time with the Lord, and God brought up the name Scott. And so you're my best friend now, Scott. You would go, creep, man. Stop this. Stop this. Stay in the pulpit in a lot of my life. You know, it, ha- it takes two, doesn't it? It takes you inviting someone to be a friend. And if we're honest, you can't control someone else's decision. So you can't manipulate people and control people into friendships. They have to make that choice. And so that's why I say what I want to see in my friends must first be in me. It's that whole picture of you being and taking responsibility with how you are a friend. That what, 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 you, what are you looking for in a friend? And is it evident in you? If you go, I have no friends, look in the mirror first. Look in the mirror. There's reasons for that. All my friends are mean and angry and judgmental. Are you? Cricket. <laughs> yeah, so many things that we want in friendships, we are not ourselves. And so we've got to be these people that we're wanting. And then what I want to be in me, the, what I want to be in me must first come from Christ. Because here, that's the deal. You and I don't have, we don't have the capacity to love people on our own. We need Jesus to teach us how to love. That's why he's the most important relationship for us. He's going to teach me how to love you. And as long as I'm connected to Christ and how he loves me, I'm going to learn how to love you. So what kind of friend do you want to be? I want to be kind. Who's been kind to me? Jesus has. The kindness of God has invaded my life. I want to tell the truth because Jesus always tells the truth to me. He knows everything about me and he loves me anyway. I want to be like that. Who does that? Jesus does it best. I need to learn from him. And so what I want to construct with you as we go through this is, although you can't control people, and although you can't change people, you can have Christ change you, and you can choose to be a friend. And so as we, um, as we look at the, the rest of this message, I want to talk about what you can do to build a welcome mat for friends. You know, when you have a home and you put a welcome mat out front, you're basically inviting people over. You're saying, come on in. And you do that through your behaviors with friends also. And if you need a band of brothers or a sisterhood of believers, even to cultivate these, if you have these, you need to keep cultivating this. You've got to invite people in. You've got to be willing to be this type of friend.
The first doorway to depth in a friendship is the doorway of availability. You need to be available. Look at what Proverbs says. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, we can, we can uh, dissect this verse, but I just want you to focus on that one phrase. A friend loves at all times. Friendship takes time. And we live in a very crowded, lonely, hurried world where we're focused on doing and doing and doing and neglecting being. And as a result of that, we find ourselves very busy and very hurried. And hurry is the enemy of relationship. If you're not available and you don't make time in your schedule for friends, guess what? You won't have friends. Because if I sense that you're busy, I won't go deeper with you. And that's why I hear sometimes, sometimes I just give off. I'm hurried. So I hear, oh, I, Pastor Joe, I know you're really, really busy, but just give me just one second. And you're looking for a quick answer on something because I've shown you in some way that I'm too busy. Some of us even walk around with a disposition that's not available. When I was running a camp in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we had 175 campers at this camp, and I was hurried and busy the whole summer long for, for 10 weeks during the summer. And uh, our, our, our second year we were up there, James was like 20 months old and Jack was like six weeks old. So picture, this is me. I, I would walk like this because I was always thinking. I looked like Mr. McFeely on Mr. Rogers or something like that. And, and my wife, I would walk so fast and in front of her that... She was behind him. You know, a 20-month-old would only walk like this, you know? And I walked there, and I just remember her. It crushed her because I was communicating with her. Okay, I'm along for the walk, but I'm not walking with you. I'm not available. And it hurt our relationship. She actually confronted me and said, Man, you're present. You're around me, but you're not with me. Now look at your schedules. If you don't go intentional and lay down the welcome mat of availability in your life, if you don't look at your schedule and say, this time will be for friends, the, my band, my sisterhood, this will be for that, it won't happen. So look at your schedule and make the time. Some of you just need to look in the mirror a little bit because your facial expression doesn't give off that you're open to friends. You walk around like this. You don't even know it. Because I know you don't mean to do it. Maybe it's just in Kansas. The wind blows extra hard here. So you're just kind of like this all the time. But it, it, it shows people you're not open to friendship. I'm not asking you to be plastic. I'm not asking you to run for office with friends. Hey, hey, Joe Hishma, I can be your friend kind of person. But I am asking you, just your disposition. Are you available Just in how you hold yourself, how you greet people. Are you available for friends? See, we're all processing life. Even if you're shy, your mind, most shy people, their minds are are working double time because they're over-processing and they just don't say it, but their mind. What if you were just available? Stopped over-processing. I'm available for people. You see, availability invites opportunity. 
When you're available, watch what God does. That is the number one word I would use for ministry in a church. When we're available to God, he uses us. Every time. Every time. It's when we're hurried that we neglect him. So we need to be available in our relationships. Secondly, there needs to be acceptance in relationships. Now, God is all about accepting us. In Romans 15, 7, Paul calls us to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So if you want the glory of God in your life, simple, accept people, welcome people into your life. This is a key picture of God's kindness his acceptance of us, moving away from performance and simply into showing love, moving away from judging and rejecting people and into accepting and loving them. And Ephesians 4.32 gives us a grid on this. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. See the grid we have? It doesn't say be kind, be really nice. Forgive. No, it says, no, as Christ. See that first relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's all about following Christ first and then reflecting him in our relationships. See, acceptance invites trust. You will only go vulnerable to the level in which you'll be accepted in a relationship. We need relationships that accept us. And I would say you need relationships of acceptance When you fail, when you sin. See, that's our problem, is we don't feel safe with our friends because we think if they really knew about us, they knew my secret, they wouldn't love me anymore. And you know, it does take risk to go to a deeper level of acceptance. And I remember confessing sin to my band of brothers. And I, there was an incredible amount of resistance. Joe, you're a pastor. Don't go there. They're not going to like you anymore. And I found that when I confessed my sin to my brothers, I found the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. I found our relationship actually go deeper. Because I was honest. Whenever you're honest, honesty always wins the day. Because the truth always wins. And when you share who you are, even in your insecurity, a friend accepts. And when you accept, you just move deeper. You move deeper. That's why some of you parents, when you're raising kids and they're making choices that you wouldn't necessarily make and you've judged them, when you see them, they don't want to go deeper with you. They don't want to tell you what they did last night because you will judge them. But in reality, you need to have an environment where... They're open. They feel safe. You'll only share to the level in which you think you're safe. Friends need to be those places that are safe environments. The only way that can happen is through grace. When you have grace-based relationships. So there's availability. There's acceptance. And then there's awareness. Now, awareness expresses interest. Interest beyond the weather and simple opinions. Awareness takes time. It takes deeper communication. It takes listening. Look at what James says. James in 119 says, Know this, my, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. See, it calls us to, before we form that opinion, before our mind starts churning, how can I fix you? We listen. We listen to understand because so, many, so much of our minds work in just stereotyping people, judging people, writing them off, and then they need to hear this instead of just being aware. Now, I want to talk about this from many different directions because I believe there's an, a distracted awareness in our culture today. And it's brought on by these little things called smartphones. And, and we're here, we're present, but we're not really aware. We're looking at a screen, and it's interesting in our conversations. Someone texts me, and I can be talking to someone, and I go, Oh, their little kittens were born. Their kittens were born. Look on Facebook. There's a picture of their kittens. Those kittens are cute. What were you telling me about your problem, though? See that? It's a distracted awareness. That we can be accessible at all times. And sometimes it's just there's a sale at Dylan's. We can go, wow, oh, what was that again? Used to be rare when you'd be sitting around the dinner table and a kid would get a text and you'd go, oh, hey, put that away. But now everyone's getting buzzed all the time. And you feel like a freak if you say, can you put that away? Because people are more important than little screens. And then there's Facebook, a, a synthetic awareness where you can find out really cool things. Oh, we just had our baby. Oh, I'm engaged. Or oh, she's out of that relationship now. Oh, look at that. And we think we can be aware on 1,400 of our favorite friends. <laughs> but in reality, we just become creepers. We do. We spend hours creeping on people. Oh, did you hear that? Oh, ooh, did you see this juicy piece of gossip? And then there's always that awkward status update. That boy, that guy needs a psychiatrist for that one. You know, we can be creepers and we can think we're aware, but we don't really understand people. See, we're called to know awareness. Look at what Proverbs 20 verse 5 says. The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water. Who could figure that out? But a man of understanding will draw it out. You know how you draw that out of people? By awareness. One of the most, the greatest thing you can do for depth in a relationship is to give the person face contact. I mean, just, just to look, the eyes, you give eye contact where your eyes meet. If I'm not careful, I can have a whole evening where I'm, yep, honey, uh-huh, yep, yep. Oh, I lost that game. You know, and it's not just smartphones. With the invention of the television, there came television trays. Remember the TV trays? And then there came TV dinners that tasted like cardboard. Everything. But yet we put them in the oven, we took them out, we peeled off the top, we sat them down and we ate. And we looked at a screen and we neglected relationship. See, relationship to go deeper needs that awareness. It needs eyes looking into eyes, communicating availability, communicating acceptance. We've got to be willing to go that. We've got to be willing to clear away the distractions so that we can give relationships a chance. And for some of us, that may mean not taking calls when we walk into the house at night. For some of us, that may mean turning off the screens and getting some eye contact again. 
For some of us, that means when you just make a, a personal commitment. No one needs to know this. Don't go, uh, I'm just, you know, I want to develop deep relationships, so I'm turning off the smartphone, you know. But some of us, we just need to make a commitment. As long as I'm talking with someone, I'm not going to get distracted by this. And if you have a friendship that says, if you don't respond to it in 10 seconds, you're not my friend, say goodbye to the friend. Because that's not really the type of person you want to be that's controlling and manipulative. So let me just call you. Move away from those distractions so you can be aware. See, the people who've really spoken into my life and and spoken life into me were people who looked me in the eyes and told me that. Now, we can use these things to kind of build those things and build on those things, but nothing is better than eye contact for you. So develop that. Awareness, awareness invites understanding. The more you're aware of someone, the more you understand what's going on. And you know what? That's a great need. Bonding does not happen without understanding. And then we need uh, the doorway of affirmation, our words. Our words are so important, what we say to our friends. And, and to go deeper with a friend, focus on affirmation. We're told in the scriptures, in the book of Acts, of a guy who was out to destroy the gospel. His name was Saul. And he was a religious man. He believed in the law and the scriptures, studied them, grew up as a Pharisee, top of the class in, in Pharisee school. And he hated the gospel because it was grace-based. And it focused on a person named Jesus Christ. So all Christ followers, he wanted to destroy. Funny thing happened to him as he left Jerusalem and tried to expand his mission in destroying the gospel. On his way to Damascus, he meets Christ. And his whole life is radically changed. And he goes from a persecutor of the gospel to a promoter of the gospel and preaches the gospel boldly in Damascus. And, and the church back in Jerusalem hears about this guy who used to kill Christians. And they go, whoa, I don't think he's legit. That's my paraphrase. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we should trust him. Well, a guy named the son of encouragement, Barnabas, shows up and spends time with Paul and affirms him in the faith. He brought him back to Jerusalem. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 27 and 28. It says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and de- declared to them how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So, as a result, Saul went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Now, this was a make-or-break time in Paul's ministry. It was new. It was fresh. The church in in Jerusalem could have said, okay, you can trust Christ. You just can't lead here. We don't want you preaching about Jesus until you got five years on it. But in reality, it wasn't long after his conversion that he came back and preached boldly because one man, Barnabas, a deep friend of Paul, came alongside of him and said, guys, he's legit. And not only that is he can preach. He's been empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the word of God boldly. And people are coming to Christ because of him. The, once, the, the gospel he once tried to destroy became now his greatest focus in trying to advance. How'd that happen? The power of affirmation. See, affirmation invites confidence in relationships. 
When you have people gather around you who say, you know what, Joe, that idea you had, that's not crazy. That's a, that's a great idea. It lines up just with where we need to be headed. I've had deep friends, my band of brothers who've come alongside of me and said, Joe, I think your leadership here at Fellowship Bible Church, I think God has better days ahead of us. Keep following the Lord. Look what God has been able to do through you. You know what? That just, even me, and I'm a pretty high confidence person, even me, it just wells me up to go, thank you. And it's, it's moved our relationship into, into depth. We all need the blessing from the people around us that were affirmed. And then finally, appreciation. Appreciation. You see, um, appreciation is something that really invites sacrifice. Look at Philippians 1 verse 3. The church in Philippi is one of my favorite verses in the New Testament because in it, Paul just constantly says this. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You ever think that a friend is someone who thanks God for you? What would your friendships look like? What could they look like if we became grateful for each other? You see, that's what a true friend is, is someone you go, every time I think of that name, God, thank you for that friend. See, when you say thank you to someone, you're inviting them and you're affirming them in serving you. When someone gives you a glass of water, you go, thank you, right? Rather than it's about time, (laughs) that really doesn't do that. When a friend is kind to you, when you say thank you, it's that whole picture. It just wells up sacrifice. Sacrifice is when you get permission to serve. It endears, thankfulness endears you to people. And so we need to be people who use all means to our friends to thank God for them. We're not thankful enough. For our friends. And my friendship will grow deeper when I thank God for you, when I operate under an attitude of gratitude with you, when I appreciate you. We need to be these friends that invite people into a deeper relationship. See, you cannot control or change people, you can't. And I don't know what God is going to do. When you simply go, God, I'm going to be available. God, help me to be more accepting of people so they can be who they are in front of me. God, help me be more aware this week. Let me just move away from technology a little bit so I can focus on humanity and relate to people. God, help me to affirm my friends, when they share life with me, when they share new ideas with me, when they wonder what they're going to do, help me to speak the truth in love. Lord, help me to appreciate my friends. Right now, I'm going to just text that friend. God, I thank God for you. You are a dear friend to me. I've never, I've not shared it enough, but I thank God for you. Write an email. Actually, take pen and paper and write them a note. You you have no idea. I keep thank you notes. I do. Because when I go through a really bad day, I read that mail. 
And I realized it's not really that bad after all. And when you process crisis, when you process challenges in your lives with a band of brothers, with a sisterhood of believers, you realize you're not alone. And the glory of God becomes greater in you because you see God's love for you and you receive God's love from your friends. Relationships are what we are created for. A relationship with God, relationship with each other. Now, everything we're going to do in the next five weeks when we gather together is going to build on these principles of being the person that we like in others, of being the friend you need to be, of trusting in Christ to change you so that you can be the friend to others. You can be the spouse. You can be the date. You can be the parent. You can be the grandparent leaving a legacy to your family. I'm looking forward to taking this journey with you. And isn't it great that God doesn't call us to relationship without also equipping us with the tools we need? Let's pray and thank him for that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for these simple principles that have survived the test of time. They were every bit as true as when they were first written because you know us. You know how we relate. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we would all commit to whatever it looks like. However it's going to look this week, would you bless anyone in this room who takes steps towards deeper relationships with you and with each other? For it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.